Yo, what's up, everybody? This is Romeo Marquez Jr., founder and creator of Superstar Success University, where we empower you to step into your greatness so that you live a life with purpose and passion. It is an honor and a gift to have one of the most talented people on the planet as our special guest today, Miss Shoshana Bean. Now, let me tell you a little something about my girl, my good friend, Shoshana. Shoshana Bean is a veteran of the Broadway stage, having debuted in the original cast of Hairspray and starring as the very first replacement for Elphaba, the green-skinned witch in Wicked. She sang backup for Michael Jackson at his 30th anniversary concert at Madison Square Garden and arranged vocals for Jennifer Lopez's American Idol performance of I Love You, Poppy. Her television performances include Soul Train Christmas Starfest, Soul Train Lady of Soul Awards with Brian McKnight to honor Aretha Franklin, The Marie Osmond Show, and The Queen Latifah Show. Shoshana's music has been featured in TV shows on NBC, MTV, Oxygen, and Showtime. Recently, her latest EP, Shadows to Light, reached number one on the iTunes Blues charts, and I'm excited to share one of her tracks from that EP at the end of this episode. So without further ado, let's welcome the amazing, the talented, the legendary Shoshana Bean. Yo, what up, Shoshana? How you be, girl? I'm good, Robo. How are you? Good. So check this out. Just a moment ago, I gave the listeners a quick bio of who you are and what you do. Go ahead and share with the listeners a little bit more of who you are and what you do. Well, gosh, I'm, I am I guess the first thing I would say if anyone asks like, who I am and what I do is I'm a singer. I just consider myself, I consider that to be who I am and what I do. Why I feel like I'm here, I feel like it's the best gift I can give to anybody. I feel like it's my purpose, my living, my passion, what I do for fun and to pay the bills so I guess I would lead with, I'm a singer. Um, I'm a woman. I'm, uh, I'm an only child. I'm a Virgo. I'm a creator. I'm an artist. I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. Yeah. I, I, is that broad strokes enough? Or you want to <laughs> no, like, be specific? I was born in 1977 <laughs> under the Virgo moon of September 1st. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, we are going to kind of not get into your, you know, your sign or anything, but I would, I would love the listeners to, you know, hear your personal journey of how you got from where you were to where you are now. Like, you know, how, oh, perfect. yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was born in a very small town, um, capital of Washington, Olympia, Washington. And, um, very early on my, I, obviously my energy and activeness could not quite be satiated at home. So my mom put me in tap class. Um, so tap was my first artistic medium. So from there, I went into ballet and jazz, and then she put me into a theater program, like a, um, oh gosh, like we thought it was a professional theater company, but we, you know, we performed at like the mall and like, you know, old people's homes and stuff like that. So I was in a theater troupe when I was like six or so. And then it just went from there. I kept being involved in dance and theater through high school. Um, we eventually moved to Portland, Oregon. And I'm so glad we did because even though it's not a big city, it was a bigger city and afforded more opportunities in the arts. And I started studying with a voice teacher who then recommended that, you know, I could go to school for musical theater, which I did. And I went to University of Cincinnati, graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in musical theater specifically. And then I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. And... I guess I 
I knew I just always wanted to sing. Like it was, it didn't have to specifically be theater for me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I at some point in like probably eighth grade decided that I wanted to like be Mariah Carey and be a pop star. So for me, <laughs> it was always, I knew I had to go to college. just what was expected kind of. And, but I didn't think I would finish it. I didn't think it would serve me. I didn't think you needed like an education to be on stage, you know, which I was clearly wrong and finished in four years and it was an invaluable education. But um, once I got to the city, like, you know, I was just straddling the fence between still wanting to do pop music and be involved in that whole underground, you know, R&B showcase scene and like the kind of, you know, shysty people in the music industry I would meet and then the theater world. So the way that it all sort of unfolded was that my career in theater took off before kind of anything solid in the music business did. And so I just rode that wave and I did uh, an off-Broadway revival of Godspell, and then I was in the original company of Hairspray and the ensemble and covered a couple of the lead roles. And then um, then I left New York for a couple of months to work with a record label down in Miami, Florida, and then I came back to stand by for the Wicked Witch in Wicked, which was Dina at the time, the girl who originated it. Uh-huh. And then I took over for her when she left. Um, so... I did Wicked for gosh, total probably two years from being a standby to being um, to being the green girl. Uh-huh. Did a little time on the road as well, and then after that, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm moving to LA. Like I wanted to be out here. I had wanted to. Like funny, like spirit story. Uh, I come out to LA before I got hairspray, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna move here. Like I just love it. It's business, and everyone, everything just moves so fast. Everyone says I could just do whatever I want here. I'm just <laughs> So while I was out in LA, my agent called and they were like, we have an audition for you for Hairspray. And I was like, I don't have any interest. I'm not signed back for that. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm in LA and, and it's just, I'm not going to race back. And they're like, all right. And then the next, not the next day, but probably not long after that, I got a call to come audition to sing backup for Mary J. And I was like, oh, I'm on the next flight. I'm coming back. Oh, and so wow. I agent and I was like, oh, just so you know, I'm going to do this Mary J audition. And while I'm there, I might as well do this hairspray audition. Like, it was like, like God was like, I know what will get you back. This is where (laughs) you're supposed to be. And sure enough, hairspray, just the audition alone was one of the most incredible processes of my life. And um, so when I got the offer for the show, I was definitely excited about it and in and like, but it took, you know, a little manipulation to get me back there, no doubt. The Mary J. Blige audition was the worst experience of my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> Talk a little bit about that go. before you move on, uh, the, the Mary J. audition. Why was that the worst experience? I don't know. I wonder if I a little bit um, created it to be that way with my level of discomfort. When I walked in and there was like a crew of people who already had essentially made their mark and their living as backup singers. They all knew each other. It was a small, small group of select people. Uh, and I didn't quite understand why I was in the mix of that. I think I had done a little backup singing prior to that. I came back up for um, Michael Jackson at the big 30th anniversary celebration at Madison Square Garden and done a couple other things. So I think the guy got my name through that. But like, I just, I don't think I was out of my league, but I feel like she just, knew what she wanted and I wasn't it. And instead of just letting that be known, she just kind of pissed at me most of the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> instead of just being like, you're not what I want. I don't want a white girl. I don't want it or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Because of course I was the only white girl in the room. 
And um, she just was like, anything I would do, why would you be closing your eyes? Why would you? I'm like, oh, okay, I just, you're my idol. I just want to do right. Like, in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes people don't show. Like, I used to be the type of person who, if I was feeling threatened or vulnerable or scared, like, I would show the opposite. I would get real tough, real hard on the outside, real, I don't give a F. I don't know if we can swear yeah, on Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I would get real closed off, and I, I think that people unless they, I can see people like that now. I know that why they're doing it when they're doing it, but a lot of people mm-hmm. don't. They just think, oh, she has an attitude. She, she thinks she's too cool, you know, too good for this or whatever. Right. So I wonder if maybe there was an element of that coming off of me just because I was terrified and only wanted to impress my idol. So <laughs> right. I don't really know, but it was not a pleasant experience. I remember being so relieved to get out of there and so relieved that I didn't get the job and also so sad. But then when the hairspray thing happened, like it was one of those gifts you get where you instantly know the purpose for all of it, you know, right. it was just a, a Mary and that whole thing was just kind of a catalyst to get me where I needed to be. But in any case, hairspray, wicked. And just, I've been out here making my music, making records, touring, you know, doing concerts all over the world. It's kind of crazy. I don't know how I make it from one life to the next, but I do, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I never know what's coming or what's going to happen. Some gigs, you know, present themselves months and months in advance, and some of them come like two days before this or the day before stuff happens. You know, so yeah, it's just kind of a wild ride. And I've I've recently surrendered to that fact because I used to stress about like, well, I don't know what next month, and then now like it always shows up. I might as well just kick back and have fun. <laughs> right. Right. I like how so. you said surrendering to that. I'm all about that because, you know, we're, we're trying and pushing and we are doing our thing. But when we try too, too hard and the outcome isn't what we want, we, we get frustrated, we get mad. But if you just surrender, we know that it serves as a greater gift in the long term of things. Well, man, surrender is like it was like a curse word for a long time because <laughs> I'm super controlling and I'm, I'm super hardworking. So I feel like, like you said, if I'm not muscling it, if I'm not making it happen, if I'm not manipulating it or controlling it, then it's not going to work. And like you said, times out of 10, all that forcing and manipulating, you may get like the moment of the result you want, but nothing ever holds stable or strong with that kind of intention behind it or that kind of effort behind it. I find that the most glorious things that have ever happened all were effortless. I didn't, you know, force the wicked thing to happen. I didn't, you know, a year of opportunity presents itself, of course, from years of right. training and practice and all that hard work and whatever. But, you know, the, the actual moments where it all comes together, like when I look back over my life, both career and personally, like the most beautiful things just, they, they fell together when I either took my hands off or my eyes off or when I just, I, I really have nothing to do with it, you know? Right. Right. And with But this, it's a hard word when you're like, I'm practicing surrender, like, ooh, don't catch me. <laughs> right. Do not catch me, sir, because I'm like, oh, God, I'm surrendering. <laughs> Stop it, I'm it surrendering. I'm at peace right now. I'm at peace. Stop it. I am at peace. Please, sir. <laughs> <That's laughs> so hard. So along your you know journey as an artist, I'm sure you met so many incredible people, and I'm sure you met many mentors along the way, and you know received a lot of great advice. And so my question to you is, what are you know a couple pieces of advice that you've received that just became valuable and that helped you along your journey? Gosh, you know, I think the best things I've learned from the biggest 
people was more watching by action and watching, learning by watching them. You know, I don't think anyone ever, like any of the amazing, you know, people of note or stars that I've worked with ever pulled me aside and said, I have two really big moments to stand out. I don't know if you know who Jennifer Lewis is, but she's like the black mama in every movie. So if you Google her name, you'll be like, oh, her. Uh So Jennifer Lewis was like, originally supposed to be the motor mouth Mabel in Hairspray, the, 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 the mother in, in Hairspray, the black mother in Hairspray, mm-hmm. uh, that Queen Latifah played in the movie. Right. So she was, when, when the musical was being written long before, you know, we actually went to Broadway, it was supposed to be Jennifer Lewis's part. Well, Jennifer's a big movie star, so it didn't work out that she could do it at that time when we opened, but she was around a lot. And she, she just kind of spotted me and was hit to my game right away and was like, you, you have a lot coming your way. You're just going to need to be patient. <laughs> and she literally wrote it on a post-it note, patience, and underlined it, and I framed it. Because it has always wow. been a huge issue of mine. Like, I just know what I want, and I want it now. Probably a function <laughs> of being an only child. You never had to wait for anything. But that was a really standout moment to me when Jennifer said, she just got it. Like, she just looked at me and was like, I get it. Just be patient. And I'm like, but I just want so much. Yeah. So that was a standout. And wow. then... The other one came more recently from the guy that produced my second record. And, you know, we had done a, a real, like, calculated process of, you know, getting our demos together and getting our references right. And just because the last record I made, uh, O'Farrell Street, was super throwback vintage. Like, I really wanted it to actually sound as authentic as possible. Like, it, like you know, like you dropped the needle on a record from the 60s. So right, I really right. wanted to incorporate as many of those techniques of their recording as I could without breaking the bank. Cause you would think that it would be cheaper to do it that way. It's actually more expensive. <laughs> so we just had this whole like super involved process and it was like really painstaking and specific. And then at some point in the process, he was like, now we just do what feels good. Mm-hmm. Now you make your decisions based on what feels good. And it goes back to like one of my earliest lessons when I was choosing colleges, my aunt said, go with your gut. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I took that a long, long way. But then somewhere along the line, like that thing of control and like forcing and all that stuff really took over. And then when Tim was like, while we're mixing, while we're just, you just, there's no like, oh, but back then their DVs on the base was, the, it's just, what is it? Does it feel good? Then it's right. And at that point in my career and life and everything, I let go of things you need to be perfect. And I thought, Hey, there's going to be a mistake here. There, someone's going to play the wrong note. You're going to hear a chair squeak in the background. But God, it feels good, you know. <laughs> right. So those would be the two, like, because I'm, I, can't, I mean, I could go on for hours, but those right. would be like two really important moments for me: patience and like what feels right. Mm-hmm. What feels good. So. Yeah, well, one of my good friends, Tiffany Peterson, she says. Uh... You know, done is better than perfect. You know, we're trying to get it, you know, all perfect and right. And she also says that progress is better than perfection. Totally. I think, especially as artists, we think like, and I've treated my projects this way and I watch my friends do it too. And they keep fussing with it and keep messing with it and they change their mind. And nothing ever, it never comes out. They never put it out there. And I realize it's terrifying Mm-hmm. To just bear your soul with these ideas you have and this creativity. But what I always remind myself and everybody else is like, mm-hmm. this is just a constant process. It's not like mm-hmm. I'm putting this album out and that is the, this is the one. It's like, no, <laughs> it's going to be here forever, right? Yeah, right. that we have digital or whatever. Like, it's not going anywhere. People are always going to be able to find it. So you want the quality and 
and your, you know, artistic integrity to be there, but, and then it's on to the next. Like, it doesn't have to be this precious thing. You're just, you're just going to keep creating. It's not this big end point, you know? So Mm -hmm. I, I totally get on board with that. Just keep it moving, keep it moving forward and, that doesn't, you know, speak to like just mess through stuff, but you know, uh-huh. yeah, I'm with it all day. I'm with it. <laughs> so knowing what you know now, what would you do differently 10 years ago? I mean, I'm just going to be specific. To yeah, time, no, be, have yeah, to remember be specific. Who I was then. <laughs> exactly. So 2004, yeah. fall 2004, I was standing by for Adina and I would tell you like within the next month and a half of 2004, I would find out that I'm taking over for her. And the way that it all happened, the process of getting to know that I was taking over for her did a number on my self-confidence and my worth. And I think even going into it, I felt like, wow, I don't, I just came from the ensemble of another show. I don't really deserve to be carrying a show right now. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. Like I'm too young. It's too soon. Whatever stories we make up. Right. Right. So I guess. I would just have either sought out the teachers that I have now or just owned it right away. Like it took me a while to own and still even all these years later, like still own the power of what that was and what I did. Not just, oh, I'm just a cop in the wheel. Like I'm just replacing somebody. I'm just, I mean, I said to myself, you're just a replacement. It's not a deal. They, you know, you're, you're not the person that they really wanted anyway. Like I made it, you know, and I just kind of lived in those stories. So that I didn't have to fully step into the power and the bigness of what I was actually doing. Mm-hmm. So I kept it small by talking all about it and myself, you know, yeah. um, only probably until really recently have I been like, that was cool. And you did a good job. So why don't you just take that one? You know, Amen to that, it's, right. not, it's not enough to have everybody else say it and try and convince you that you have to really own that stuff. So I guess I would just like really have been more aware of who I was and what I was capable of, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to say about a, you know, 25 year old. It's hard to be like, don't you know who you are? And be, you know <laughs> exactly. I mean? Exactly. And like you said, yeah. you know, you were thinking about who you were and it's just recognizing that we're constantly evolving. You know, the things that we're sharing now, 10 years from now, we're going to go, dang, we should have even owned up on our talents, even on a greater level, you know? Heck yeah. <laughs> and so has there been a time in your life where, you know, where doo-doo hits a fan, where, you you know, just things went, yeah. like, out of whack. If so, what did you do to, you know, pick yourself back up? I'm literally, like, my mind is rapid-firing, like, all the moments where I hit my knees. And I think back in the day, when when it was earlier, like, around that time we're talking about, uh-huh. I just leaned on my friends. I had great friends and great family. Mm-hmm. And a good life coach at the time. I had a really good life coach. So I think those were my mm-hmm. sources. As time has gone on and the challenges, I can't say they're greater right? because they're just all relative, but um, I think I've become way more connected to my relationship with God or spirit or whatever you want to call it, whatever it is to, to you, um, way more connected to that. Yeah. And again, just great teachers around me. I have great teachers around me, people that I call, books that I have, mm-hmm. you know, things now we have the gift of like just pulling up anything we want on the internet from Marianne Williamson to Osho to whatever, you know, we can just yeah. go to YouTube real quick. <laughs> right. right, right. Uh, but now I, with trepidation, 
sort of seek it out. I just got an email this morning about, like, do you know how a seed really gets to, like, grow into the plant that it's going to be? It cracks, it breaks the whole shell of it, of what it thinks it is, shatters, mm-hmm. you know? And so it just is the concept of, like, come on, bring it on. Like, the further I fall, like, the more there is to learn, the more I crack open and feel like I'm going to break, like the more I'm learning and fully realizing who I'm supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. in this life on this planet or whatever. So I guess now I just kind of invite it. I'm like, here we go, bring it, let's just go, let's mm-hmm. just go. You know? And also like you learn as you get older what you need to feel better. So like, you know, I know my yoga is a huge part of who I am today and yeah, does that kind of answer the question? No, that answers it totally because I, I, you brought also you brought up many great points, but just that recent point where people, well, me included, are constantly on the go making things happen, and we, it's important for us to refuel and recharge. And the metaphor I like to use is like you know, for example, your cell phone. You could use it up to you know a hundred percent, but yeah. sooner or later it's gonna <laughs> die. Or halfway, you gotta recharge some way somehow, whether it be the beach, laying down on the couch, or meditation. So thank you for bringing yeah. that up. I know. Yeah, because sometimes uh, I, I take things a little harder, or I'm having a harder time than I would if I. And I'm like, am I fully rested? Because I should not be hysterical over this. I can't. <laughs> At least you noticed like, you you had an oh, awareness. Totally. <laughs> I'm not functioning very well. I've been. Go- and then I look back, and it's also because like I don't have a nine to five, mm-hmm. so I don't consider the fact that I'll go weeks straight working every day without even thinking about it because I'm not obviously clocking in and out. Right. And then I'll be like, I haven't had a day to just do nothing. I no wonder I'm hysterical over you know <laughs> something stupid. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You also brought up, uh, you know, reading books and, you know, listening to audios or watching YouTube videos. Uh, I love, I'm a big reader on books. What are a couple of books that you would recommend to listeners that want to help them elevate their spirit, their greatness, their whatever? Oh, man. Um, I would say my Bible, Uh and I'm on my third time reading it. I just pick it up all the time because it's just the best reminder. Marianne Williamson's book, um, A Return to Love, is brilliant. So that's like a staple for me. What other really good books? Um, the one where I said about like totally cracking open the pain and like uh-huh. just going into it. It's a book called The Tools. The Tools. Um, do you know who that's by? By Phil Stutz and Barry Michaels. The say Tools. that. Say that one more time. Um, Phil uh-huh. Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z, uh-huh. and Barry Michaels. Mm-hmm. The Tools. Also for girls and relationships, this is just for the ladies. Yeah, um, there are a lot of like, women listeners on, so yeah, please. And you know, boys are like usually the big, one of the big problems in our lives. So, and also, like I feel like our generation of women has really downplayed our worth and done a lot of the work. Like we were talking about the muscling and manipulating, a lot of us have forgotten how to get, and we do it in our work too, right? So we've forgotten how to like be women and be feminine because we're handling business and making things happen. And so we just kind of do it at home too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's a book that's a little, it's a little antiquated, but the the concepts are there. It's called getting to I do ignore the title. It's not about getting married. It's about like, you said getting to I do. I do. Okay. 
like I do, like I'll marry uh-huh. you. Right, right. <laughs> like, do you choose this man? Um, uh-huh. Getting to I do by uh, Patricia Allen. It's just about like, creating sort of balance in a relationship. Like, there can only be one masculine energy. Yeah. Like, you can't really both be the guy. Right. So that's a good one. And then um, I just read Deepak Chopra's Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. I love that amazing. book. I love that book. Amazing. Yeah. Those would be, I was just looking through my bedroom and I'm like, what is the most recent? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm with you. Those are them. So, um, a couple of things based on what you said. The first thing is, I'm a big reader, you know, with the Bible. Is there a verse yeah. that you like to reread or a story within the Bible that, you know, is a constant reminder to just continue to trust in God or a verse that helps you move forward that sticks out to you? Yeah. I have a couple. I, first of all, I love the story of of the slaves leaving Egypt, our Passover story, you know, like through the Red Sea and all of that. It's a very simple story, and I've heard it my whole life, every year Passover, you know. And then we walked into the water, and then the way it started, and then, but I'm like, my friend more recently, I think it was even this year, was like, do you know they were like up to their mouths? Like the water was filling their mouths, and they were like, we will, we will still walk forward. So it's about those, it just was to me, I was like, oh my God, in those moments where like, I can't, I've done, I can't do this anymore. It's like, no, we just keep going. Have faith that there's something on the other side of this. That's why I say like, bring on the pain, bring on the anxiety, bring on the fear, because I know on the other side of this, and that's what that book, The Tools, mm-hmm. is something bigger. And they, and sure enough, you know, mm-hmm. and then also on the other side of that, once they were free, how they like were kind of looking to go back mm-hmm. because you know what you know, even if it's not great, even if it's not the best of situations, sometimes our mind is so conditioned to be where we're comfortable because right. we know it. Right. And being out there in this discomfort is so terrifying. And I know it. I mean, I've been walking through it, you know, like, and know that if you aren't uncomfortable, you're probably doing something right. Because exactly. If you're comfortable, <laughs> I like to say you've that, right. It, you know, uh-huh. and you can always go back and be comfortable. Right. But like, what's out there? So I love that simple story. I love First Corinthians mm-hmm. so much. Just about like, and I don't think it's exclusive to women. I think that love unconditional, mm-hmm. and that that is what love is. You know, mm-hmm. people have suffered so much fear-based thinking and behaving into their quote-unquote love, mm-hmm. and it's just not real. So First Corinthians is always a touchstone for me. I'm always faith without works is dead. Say that know? again. Say that again. Without work uh-huh. is is nothing. It's dead. Right. I guess those are, those would be the three that come straight to mind. I'm sure there's a million yeah. others, but I yeah. And and speaking of faith, what do you do in addition to re- reading the Bible? I know you said yoga too, but is there anything else that you do to connect with your spirit and faith to strengthen that? I pray. Yeah. Out loud, I pray a lot. Like because in LA, obviously, I'm always in the car, and I don't. Oddly enough, I really don't listen to a lot of music. I, if I'm not on the phone, I'm just talking to God. Mm. And that seems to me to be the best. I'm not a great meditator. I'm looking to find uh, maybe some direction or maybe some teaching around meditation because I, I just I know that it will be powerful for me and I've seen it be powerful for other people. Uh-huh. I just, I always, I, just, I do it and then I'm like, I'm not good at this. I don't, I don't <laughs> like doing things that I'm not good at. So right. I'm like, I quit. Um, or I just make that excuse. I'm like, there's just not enough time. Right. Meanwhile, I've spent a half an hour trolling Facebook when I could have been meditating. So right, right. it's all just excuses. But um, I would like to get more into meditation. Yoga to me is 
so much of my spirituality just because it shows me the limits of my mind versus what my spirit and my body are capable of, you know? Um, and it's, it's also just, uh, it's just changed my life, Uh, just connecting mind, body, spirit, all of it. Mm -hmm. And my work on the mat and how it's manifested in my life is just awesome. So yeah, prayer. I I was in a relationship with a, um, a very devout Christian just this past year. And so I went Mm -hmm. to church a lot with him and, Mm -hmm. and even though I'm Jewish, uh-huh. And they, you know, and it was obviously a super Christian church. Uh, I still found a lot that resonated with me and, and took a lot home. And, and so that was a part of my practice for a while. But now it's just prayer. And, and I don't even really read the Bible. Right. But I do have books that are interpretations. I have this book right. now that I read called Jesus is Calling or Jesus Calling, and it's just a daily affirmation book of this woman who's basically just, you know, sort of taken, like, Bible verses and then interpreted them more fully. Yeah. It's beautiful. So things like that. All that you're sharing is, like, even though I know this stuff, it's, like, reigniting certain things that I should be doing more of. So this is all a gift. It's all a gift. And as you being the hustling girl, the hardworking woman that (laughs) makes things happen and sings her heart out to the world, how does Miss Shoshana Bain find balance in her life? Oh, I think I'm pretty lucky right now. I get worried that it's... um... I have it. I feel like I have it because I work in fits and spurts and then I have time off. Now, what Shoshana hasn't mastered is like being cool in the time off and knowing that the storm <laughs> is coming again, right? right? So I'll be like, I'm bored, this is dumb, or I, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I pretty much do. I think it's a, a matter of mind, body, spirit. So yoga, my reading, my friends, my teachers, and again, what feels good right now? Like some days I know I have a list of stuff that I said I was going to do and I need to do. And what I really want to do is go pick up my nieces and go to frozen. And if I <laughs> honor the thing that my spirit is calling me to do, then I can approach the things I need to do and have to do with like no resentment or like, you know, like frustration about it. Whereas if I stay home and force myself to just work through my to-do list, I'm like pissed off about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think the intention behind the activities or the, the tasks that I'm doing is, is pure. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot lately that like the intention with which you come at something is really important. So I think just the balance comes from just honoring what my body needs and what my spirit needs and 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 then what, what my mind needs. And again, I'm lucky enough to do what I love to do. So a lot of times, with the exception of writing music, I'm really resistant to writing music, even though it's like, I hate it. Um, <laughs> I love it, but like I hate a, it. <laughs> oh, I hate it. It's like a Rubik's Cube. Like the moment when it all comes together, it's like, I can't even express the elation. But the process of it, it's, an, it's like a seed. It's like this, is the worst. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Just going back to, you know, to the intuition and God and, in my book, the success messages, like one of the quotes that I have in there and these quotes that I get are based from meditation. And trust me, girl, I'm still a beginner at meditating, but I would receive these messages. And one of the messages that I would receive or download is, you know, when when God gives you a calling, stop sending them to voicemail. Yeah, that's a good one. Good, bro. (laughs) Got to keep it going. Got to be like the show show. 
row row show oh, show. Please. It's the row row right, show show. Oh, <laughs> um, this, is rap- this is so cool. And to wrap this up, even though I know we're this is not a done conversation, I feel like I'm going to bring you on again. <laughs> you do. Please do. The last question I like to ask is, like I said, I wrote a book called The Success Messages. And the mission behind that book is, you know, changing the world one message at a time. And my question to you is, what's your message to the world? I'm trying not to go to my go-to answer. Go to it. Hey, my, go what feels my good. My go-to answer is just, like there's fear and there's love and that's what Mary Williamson teaches there's only two mm-hmm. you're either acting from one or the other all the time mm-hmm. and I would just say less fear more love love <laughs> love one of the other messages in that I don't know if I put it in this book or it's a, it's a recent one where you know people talk about goals G-O-A-L and my acronym for goal first it was go out and live but, you know, digging deeper, the message that I got was go out and love. So do everything with uh, love. Do everything with love. I'm all about that. Yeah, man. I would love for people to, you know, connect with you via social media and also definitely to play, you know, or li- listen to some of your songs. Where can they do all that? I mean, everything is Shoshana Bean. So it's ShoshanaBean.com, at Shoshana Bean on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Shoshana Bean and then on iTunes if you search my name you'll get I'm on a bunch of other people's records and then you'll get my two records will come up as well but um the only thing that's not Shoshana Bean is my Instagram at Shobean at Shobean simplify simplify yeah (laughs) so if I had known now people are like we can't find you alright so yeah I would love to hear from people Um, I love social networking I love it love it I'm an independent artist and I don't have major representation so social network how I do my business so I love hearing from people you know what they what they want what they need what they like what they don't I love it awesome and would it be okay for me to share one of your songs after this call oh, love it please I'm curious as to which one you're going to do but yeah awesome awesome I will <laughs> well thank you so much Shoshana I appreciate you my fellow warrior my um, friend it's an honor is mine. thank you you continue to inspire me with all that you do and you know it's definitely a gift to just call you my friend so thank you so much likewise dude all take right. care man I love what you're doing talk to you soon and where can I get this book Oh, oh, the book. All right, hold on. Let me, I'm going to end this call right here. Let me just start. Uh, but, but stay on the line. Stay on the line. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and the amazing Shoshana Bean. I hope you received some great inspiration and insight to take your life and greatness to the next level. To receive more inspiration, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Romeo Marquez Jr. And now I present to you a song called This War from Shoshana's latest EP, Shadows to Light. Silence falls around my ears If you were screaming, I can't hear a sound I'm all out of ammunition, so I lay my weapon down. There is no more room to 
understand I've given up on turning you around So I've hit my hands and knees On a blood-stained battleground Oh, let my tears be the mercy to wash it clean You're used to watching me beg Now watch me leave Cause there is no Not long ago I was in the same corner as you Fighting for my strength And not our weaknesses Exposing all our wounds Oh, let my tears be the mercy To wash them Screaming, I can't hear a sound. 